Bednar ready on a 3-2 pitch. Strike three call. The game is over. Bednar saves it. And the Pirates storm back in the ninth to beat the Marlins. The losing streak is over. Hugs for the Pirates. And well worth the wait. They finally get to shake hands as they beat the Marlins tonight 3-1. to Yeah, that one had to feel pretty good for the Pirates. After a double-digit losing streak, the Pirates come back last night with a terrific ninth inning. Their bats finally wake up, and they beat the Miami Marlins by a 3-1 final. The Pirates now 35-40 and on the year. They sit five and a half games out of first place behind the untouchable, white-hot, incredible Cincinnati Reds who have won 12 consecutive games but are still a minus 13 in run differential this year. It has been some really, really unbelievable stuff going on in Cincinnati. They do it again last night. Ellie Dela Cruz, their prized prospect with a cycle, first uh, rookie since 1972 to go for a cycle, the first red in over 30 years to cycle, and now everyone by a game and a half at least in the NL Central is chasing the Cincinnati Reds. But this isn't Reds talk, it's Bucko talk, and we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm Josh Roundtree. Happy Saturday to you. The Pirates right now, and, and I, I want to, we're going to open phone lines throughout this show, 412-928-9370. I, I want to get your opinion on what and where your belief level is right now in this Pirates rebuild, in this Pirates regime. Um, it maybe was easy at the end of April to say, you know what, I'm feeling pretty good about this. Even at the beginning of this month, when they were in first place, you could say, all right, maybe this is heading in a pretty positive direction, even if this doesn't end up in them being incredibly successful this year, even if it doesn't end up in a division title or a playoff appearance, well, at least they have been more competitive. Well, what do they do after that? Well, they lose 10 in a row. And I don't want to dwell too much on a 10-game losing streak and what it means for the overall picture of the future for the Pirates, but I do think that we're starting to see Derek Shelton and Ben Charrington's plan start to come to fruition in terms of guys are getting here. This is a much more capable major league ready team. And it appears to be a a team, at least the groundwork is being laid for the core, the nucleus of this team going into the future. The question with that is, are you buying it? You have been sold that, you know, essentially there are going to be some tough times. They, I don't believe the word rebuild necessarily has ever come out of Ben Charrington's mouth, but we know that's what it is. And they have made it very clear that that's sort of their intention. It was, well, you know, year one was that COVID year, then the strip down begins, then the rebuild begins. Well, we're sort of in, I guess, year two of that rebuild phase, stage two, if you will, of the actual building process. I don't think it has, it has been built yet. And if you're building a house, I think 
you know, a lot of the uh, the framing work is done. Maybe the roof has been put on, but there are still a lot of final touches that have to be done in order to call this a full-on build up to something at least acceptable. It was an exciting week in that Henry Davis made his debut, Nick Gonzalez made his debut, but the Pirates lost both of those games. That put a damper on an otherwise very eventful week of Pirates baseball. And and I have to be honest, as I was sitting there night after night watching the Pirates lose, I, I did start to think, is this working? Is this working? Are the Pirates, as they are currently being constructed, in a good place for the future? Or are we here in Pittsburgh sitting through for the umpteenth time in the last 30 years a false hope rebuild? Now, I go off what the experts say, what the analysts say, many of whom have said that the Pirates are going to be built to be a contender somewhere around 2025. That that is when this core group of young, talented players some of which we are seeing now make it to the majors, that is not only when they will all be up, but also when they will be starting to hit their primes. And that should be enough to get the Pirates to a place of real, legitimate playoff contention. But they're 35-40 and after starting 20-8. and That's not good. They are 15-32. and since the first month of the season. That's not good. I have never questioned Derek Shelton as a manager more than I have in the last week. And I think that there are a lot of things that Derek Shelton does very, very well. I think he is a good connector in that clubhouse for the most part. I think he has shown that uh, he's a good communicator with that clubhouse. The problem is that it seems right now, and we've talked about this a number of times, but it's really been on display over the last 11 days, essentially, over the last 11 games. But when this team was really, really high in the month of April, they were really, really high. And when they came down, it absolutely crashed to the ground and then some during this losing streak to me it looked like a defeated team at times they would fall behind by a run or two and you just felt like that's it they're not going to win last night they get a brilliant performance from Luis Ortiz but it takes what felt sort of like a miraculous ninth inning, even though scoring three runs in an inning shouldn't feel miraculous, but for the Pirates right now, three runs in a game feels like a good accomplishment. They did it in the ninth inning. But it took something really special in the ninth last night for them to actually get Luis Ortiz a win. Their their pitching has been fine in the last couple of games. It's been good, in fact. Mitch Keller, good. Luis Ortiz, great. But their hitting has been just so, so horrific. I mean, so, so bad. This is a Pirates team that coming through the month of April was fourth in the majors 
in run production. Fourth in run production. Since April, dead last in run production. I remember talking with you back sometime late April, and I remember having the conversation in which I said, it's just hard for me to fathom a circumstance in which everything collectively falls off for the Pirates. Yeah, they might slump from a hitting standpoint, but the pitching will still be there. Or, you know, maybe the pitching won't be as good as it was in that first month where every single start was a quality start, it seemed like, for Pirates pirates pitchers. But it has. The base running has become terrible. The fielding has been incredibly inconsistent all season. And then the hitting and pitching have both sort of collectively slumped here since the start of this month. If you want to hop in, 412-928-9370 is the number. What's your level of confidence right now with the Pirates? What's your level of confidence with Derek Shelton compared to Ben Charrington? Do you believe in one more than the other? I I, I kind of put them both in the same boat right now, but again, I have never, in, in the last week, we have seen two prospects get called up that have been moved through this system, one of which, you know, I know Henry Davis, a lot of people wanted him here forever ago, but I think they moved him at the right pace. I think we're starting after some early struggles to see him settle in a little bit. Had a couple of hits in last night's game. He's up to batting 267 right now. Drew a walk as well. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on that level of trust that you have in the Charrington regime. Do you like what you've seen in any sense? I know it's hard to talk about things that we've liked here over the last 10 days. I know a lot of people are down right now, but perhaps you see the bigger picture. I do to an extent. I want to see this play out. I want to see this really come to fruition as a whole, where hopefully by September we're talking about a lot of young guys in the lineup. Let's grab our first call of the morning. Again, I'm Josh Roundtree. This is Bucko Talk here on The Fan. Let's go to John in Greensburg. What's up, John? Hi, Josh. In response to what you're saying there about trust in the Sherrington uh, regime, I think to a degree they're mired in mediocrity. Uh, You know, the philosophy seemed to be to uh, try to sign uh, volume rather than high quality. by going under slot in a lot of yeah. their in their in their drafts. Now, where where I give him credit is, I think he's found some some pitchers who are going to turn out. This, this Solomento has done very well, mm-hmm. even in his most recent game yesterday. But again, when you look at the top thirty prospects, you don't see high end hitters. You don't see high end position players. Um, and when you look at other teams that were that hit bottom and then rose. You see that they have guys that that are going to be anchor positions, anchor players for them. Um, Cincinnati with a couple of guys that that are going to be there for a long time. Uh, with the Pirates, you don't see it. Now there are a few like Piguero has come up a bit, 
um, you look at uh, Triolo. He's hitting about 285, 290 now. Yep. Now, whether he can sustain that, we don't know. But very limited in power. Most of these guys, they don't hit home runs. And their averages tend to be on the lower end. So I think this year, although I've shifted my, my, my views, I'm, I'm leaning more towards games now than Dylan Cruz. Uh, but he's got to prioritize finding guys who can hit and, and getting higher quality guys instead of throwing out, casting out a big net to see, let's bring in a whole bunch of people and hope that somebody works out. Uh, that, to me, is uh, probably the greatest flaw in the Charrington regime. Instead of going for the high-end guy, he's bringing in a whole bunch and yeah. trusting that somebody's going to do something to work it out. And I don't see it through the system. I don't see it through the system. All the way down to rookie league. It's, yeah. uh, it's, the depth isn't there in, yeah. in quality. Quantity, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. for for sure, John. Appreciate the call. I, I agree with that uh, to an extent. I mean, I, I think you know it's it's hard to sort of project. I mean, where some guys might end up when they get to the big leagues, but uh, you know, Henry Davis is a guy that I, I think is going to have some power for them, uh, whether it's at catcher or not. I mean, I, I think most likely he will develop into more of a power hitting player if he is not a catcher long term. We're going to get into that as we go here. We're also going to get into the cruise schemes dilemma as well as the Pirates uh, near draft day. And um, they start to look at that first overall that first overall pick they have again after we just saw the debut of a first overall pick. Uh, but he is right. I mean, you look up and down. It's not like there are a lot of guys that are absolutely, you know, blistering things uh, down at triple at A or double A or anything like that. Uh, Nick Gonzalez got called up last night. He was hitting 257 in AAA. Okay. That's not exactly mind blowing. Andy Rodriguez has been incredibly up and down. He's batting 248. Well, that's two of your top five prospects right there who are not really lighting the world on fire. And even Tamar Johnson, who, you know, is down in Bradenton right now, Class A Bradenton is just hitting 255 there. Now that's a young guy. I think you have to give him, a, you know, a, a you know, a little bit of time. He's still a couple of years away. But you would like maybe some better return here off of the investments. And 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 John's right in that, you know, they they have now gone for, you know, lower slot trying to add more and and we'll see if that philosophy philosophy perhaps changes here in this draft where they just say, you know what, we're going to pay big for one dynamic player. I think your philosophy has to change. I think they have worked really hard on developing the depth throughout the organization. It's there somewhat, I think. I think it's certainly a lot better than it was when they took over, but it's got to get a lot better. Let's go to Joe in Mount Lebanon. Good morning, Joe. Hi, Josh. Great show as always. Uh, I don't believe in the uh, Shelton Charrington uh, regime too too highly right now, Josh. Uh, Derek Shelton, this guy was a hitting coach for Minnesota before he got here. Yep. During May and now June, uh, hitting has has been horrific. Um, they 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 rank last in the majors in 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 the hitting. He's done nothing to alleviate the situation. Um, my second point, Josh. Um, uh, d developing prospects is only half the battle. 
you've got to bring in quality free agents in, in here. Don't, you know, open up your checkbook a little bit. Don't don't dumpster dive and bring in guys like like Connor Joe, Carlos Santana, who's betting who's betting two thirty in in the betting cleanup, a forty three year old pitcher, and a guy named Austin Hedges. Uh, open up your checkbook, bring in some quality free agents. Now, I'm not talking about Garrett Cole in uh, three hundred forty five million dollars. I'm I'm saying open up your checkbook a little bit, bring in quality free agents. And don't well, don't uh, dumpster dive. But but and, Joe, uh, but thanks Joe, a lot, Josh. yeah, thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Here's the problem with with the point, Joe. What high price or even moderately priced free agents want to come play for the Pirates right now? And, and that is hopefully going to change here. And I get that money can talk in certain situations, but if you're a a player who can get an equal deal or a closer deal on a team that is going to be a winning team, why would you want to come play for the Pirates right now? So I, I know it's easy for people to say, well, why don't they spend money? But it, that's that's only part of the equation. And you're right. Should they spend more money? Absolutely. Nobody has, I think, ever denied that. At least nobody intelligent has ever denied that. They should spend more but there are two sides to that formula. You have to have players that are willing to come here. And I think the Pirates, because they are in a rebuild right now, there's only so much that you can get when you're going through a rebuild. That's just how it works. So I I can't necessarily knock them for the free agent signings that they made. Those guys have been put in the lineup. the, The issue has been those guys have had to play much bigger roles, and part of this is due to injury. Uh, Carlos Santana's had to play a lot more because of the injury to G-Man Choi. Connor Joe, I don't know that they anticipated him to have to play as much or certainly did not anticipate him being a three or four hitter at times in their lineup. That's that's not what they ever anticipated out of those guys. So I have more of a problem with that than anything else. But I also think that when you're going through a rebuild and you have to you know, sort of bridge a gap from your teardown to your new guys being available. These are the guys that you have to sign. You have to sign your Connor Joes and your Carlos Santanas and your Rich Hills. Older guys, veteran guys that are only going to be here for a year or two that will help sort of bridge the gap and help you lay that foundation for younger guys. Let's go to Michael in Irwin. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. Love the show. Thank you. A couple things uh, to kind of piggyback on what you guys were just talking about regarding the free agents. Um, uh, Number one, they did spend more than most other teams this past season, if I recall, on on free agents. Now, you can debate on who they should have signed or whatever, but I don't think there were that many options. I mean, you, you also have to factor in McCutcheon. I mean, that was a great signing. And Rich Hill, to be honest, was a very good signing as well. Anybody's going to take his production as a four or five starter on almost any team at that price. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, the others, Hedges and Connor Joe, I think are, you know, forget that. And Santana is, is what he is. I mean, he's helping. But I think the bigger issue is that, you know, like you had said, since April or after April, everything has gone downhill. Why don't I think more so, I think the starting pitching has been, maybe it hasn't been as lights out as it was in April, but it's, I mean, you saw Ortiz last night, Oviedo's been decent. 
Um, Beto's been actually pretty good, too. I mean, everyone's been pretty solid as a whole for the starting pitching, but the offense has been abysmal. The bullpen has been abysmal. And I, I think somehow, some way, even if you're not competing this year, someone has to figure out something to improve that bullpen, and, and there has to be some offensive production. I feel like that's been said for the past 20 years. So, you know, I'll let you give your opinion there, but I think offense is very, very crucial right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no question. And I think they have to find a way, and appreciate the call, I think they have to find a way to to find bats. And, you know, I, I go back to – the point you made about off-season spending. The, the Pirates were, I think, moderately competitive. You look at sort of where they spent money. They spent $30 million in free agency this year. Um, for this season, it, it was sort of an average spending spree. But you go back, I mean, free agents signed by, say, the Yankees, who committed $574 million to contracts uh, this offseason, that's for five players. The Mets, $400 million. The Pirates committed $30 million. So, yes, they spent more than some other teams. Um, they were really somewhere in the middle of the pack. But overall, I mean, they, they, they made shorter-term deals because they know that they are sort of starting to, to bridge that gap to what's next. And that's okay to me right now there will come a time though in the not so distant future and I'm talking you know next year maybe this offseason maybe next offseason where you have to look at this team and say okay our holes are x y and z uh we don't have somebody filling in for x y and z let's go spend some big time money on somebody and I'm not talking about Yankees money I'm not unrealistic the Pirates are not going to spend that kind of money they're just not and I think the faster people get that through their heads, even though they might not like it, and I personally don't like it either, but it's just not going to happen. So the question becomes, how do you get better in other ways? That's what you have to start to look at now. And a lot of that, I, I think, is lineup-based, but it's pitching-based as well. I mean, there are a lot of questions, I think, going forward now for the Pirates pitching. A, bullpen for sure. B, how do you fill out that rotation? I mean, Mitch Keller seems like a lock in the rotation. Love what we saw out of Luis Ortiz last night. Maybe he's a guy that, you know, can end up being a, a number three, number four, really good number four, you know, pretty decent number three sort of starter for you. You know, who's going to be your number two starter? Is it Johan Oviedo, maybe? Does Rwanzi Contreras figure it out? Does Quinn Priester start to get it going? And maybe he comes up eventually. Let's grab one more call before the break. Let's go to Jeff in Bridgeville. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, good morning, Josh. The uh, the comparison you just made about the Yankees, the Mets, you know, those are Formula One race car teams. The Pirates <laughs> are at the Butler County Demolition Derby. People just need to understand our interest in them is only to get us to the Steelers training camp. Now, they're a month shy, and they're on, like, what, a 10-game losing streak, so they almost made it. Enjoy the bobbleheads. Enjoy the dollar hot dogs and the fireworks because that's all you're going to get. So for me, I don't understand all these people dissecting Shelton. They, 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 they have to play the hand that they're dealt. So it's like they just have to keep our interest till Steelers training camp. And, and that's my take on it. Appreciate the show. Love it. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Well, I'm more interested in them past Steelers training camp. I think other people are as well. But 
I sense the frustration, and after a 10-game losing streak this week, I can understand why people are frustrated. Uh, it has not been a good week whatsoever. Our Twitter is brought to you by South Hills Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Peters Township. You can visit them online at southhillsjeep.com, and you can text us on the Edgar Snyder & Associates fan text line, 412-928-9370. Edgar Snyder & Associates reminds you to text responsibly. We welcome your calls, 412-928-9370 is the number. We'll get to more of your calls. I know we have Chuck on the line. We'll get to Chuck when we come back, uh, but we welcome more of your calls next here on Bucko Talk on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. Swing and a line, drive through, base hit. McCutcheon is in. Carlos Santana with a two-out, two-strike RBI single to put the Pirates up 2-1. to one. Pirates win it last night, a 3-1 final in Miami. As the Bucks beat the Fish. By the way, those Miami throwback uniforms, the the teal throwback uniforms, oh, mwah, those things are are beautiful. Great uniforms they had back in the day in Miami. Uh, the ones now are okay. Too much coral colors going on down there, but that's Miami, I guess. After all. Let's uh, grab a call. He's been waiting patiently. Let's go to Chuck in Uniontown. Good morning, Chuck. How are you? Good morning, Josh. Thank you. Josh, about related to this Austin Hedges situation, I'm not in the camp that that would have booed Austin Hedges the other night. Yeah. Josh, you have 26 players on the team. All 26 are not five-tool players. Mm -hmm. They have different skills. And the answer is simple. You have role players on the team. Right. You have certain players who are good at this and certain players who are good at that. And sometimes they, they, they produce a lot of runs, and sometimes they save a lot of runs. You don't bring Austin Hedges in here to hit 15 to 20 home runs. By the same token, you do not bring Willie Stargell in to bunt. <laughs> it's, you know, Chuck, it's a, it's a really good point, and thanks for the call. The booing Austin Hedges thing, look, I, I'm never going to tell people what they should do unless it's totally unruly when, they, when it comes to spending their money. Um People have the right to boo. I mean, if the Steelers go three and out uh, three times in a row, they're going to be booing. If the Penguins, you know, are, are playing the worst team in the in the NHL with the playoffs on the line, uh, like it, you know, happened this spring, and they lay an egg, people should boo. Um, baseball is unique in that it is an individually inclined sport. Um, the issue that I had was people booing when the guy was walking up to the plate, when he got introduced as part of the lineup. Um, Austin Hedges, as a person, as a professional, has, to me, done nothing to deserve that. Um, if you're saying that you're booing the decision to play him, okay, I get that. Um, but baseball's so individualized that when you hear somebody getting booed, it's hard to not think that the, the person himself is being booed. And, look, there's a lot of people out there that, do they care? No. They're just going to boo the guy. They see a guy that makes millions, and if he doesn't live up to their expectations, then they boo him. I don't really know what your expectations were for Austin Hedges. 
he's doing what he's done in his career. I mean, this is who he has been in his career, is a guy that has hit under the Mendoza line and has been solid defensively. So what did you expect was going to happen when he comes here and he hits below the Mendoza line and he's good defensively? Now, part of the whole defensive, you know, uh, part of all that is is base runners and stolen bases, and I get that. But uh, at the same time, you look at pitch framing, and I know nobody wants to talk about pitch framing right now that you've been beaten to death by it. I get it. But when you look at things like that, when you look at defensive runs saved, he's been a good player at that position. His hitting's just been so bad, and there's a, I don't know, is a Venn diagram or not, not a Venn diagram, but I guess just a graph where, you know, there comes that, that intersection point where it's okay defense and offense and if your defense is good enough it maybe compensates for your offense being bad but there does come a point where you really have to look at hey is the defense good enough to overcome the really really bad offense and that's kind of where they are with Austin Hedges right now I don't I don't love booing guys have I booed before as a fan sure absolutely I think a lot of people have um, booing individual baseball players because they're just in the lineup or when they're walking to the plate. I didn't particularly love that. Uh, let's go to Tony in Monhall. What's up, Tony? Hi, Josh. Thanks for taking my call. I, I'll, I'll keep it simple and, and just I could talk all day. I love the parts. Um, but anyway, a couple points. So I, I think Henry Davis is now here, and I think a lot of the frustration with Hedges stems from the fact that you drafted him as a catcher. Yeah. People want to see him catch. However... I think the long pitcher for 2024 is the opening day is Henry Davis in right field and Andy Rodriguez behind the plate. So if that's the long-term plan, they, they should just come out and best up with that, number one. I think so. That's kind of what it looks like to me right now. Davis needs more work in the minors, so they're just living with the catching situation up here. But they want Davis, I think, to be more of an everyday type player, you know, because a catcher you can't catch every day, but you can play DH in other positions. The other point I want to make is – now they've lost 10 in a row. Maybe a good win streak is coming. But if not, I think you're going to see better players as you go on. I know O'Neill Cruz sometime in August will be back. That was a huge blow to them. And OG Man Choi, I saw, is on a rehab assignment right now. That yeah. was a big blow. Because I don't think Carlos Santana was brought in here to play first base every day. I think he's getting exposed with the more at-bats he's getting, where G-Man was going to take some of those at-bats. And finally, there's a prospect down there I want to hear more about. called Abra His name is Abraham Nunez. Yeah. He came over from St. Louis. If you know anything about him, if you could please elaborate. Because I think 2024, he may be your starting first baseman. Thanks for taking my call, Josh. Have a nice day. Go Bucks. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate the call, Tony. Uh, Abraham Nunez, I, you know, I threw this out there this week, and it's something that you know I want to talk about here uh, at some point during the show today. Um uh, Nunez, Malcolm Nunez is is who you're thinking of, not Abraham, I, I believe. Uh, Abraham played for the Pirates. He's 47 years old. Uh, but uh, the Nunez you're thinking of um, is a guy that is Malcolm Nunez. He's uh, the 14th rated prospect in the Pirates system right now. He is a first baseman with capabilities of playing third base. He's hitting 255, a AAA Indy right now, which, I mean, to be honest, that's kind of – still in the realm of of where they call guys up, even if they're hitting around there. I, I do think that he will be the first baseman here, at least to close out this season. Uh, I think that they'll probably trade Carlos Santana at the deadline. That That's sort of my guess with it, and Santana will probably be open to that. 
they never anticipated Santana having to play this much. The injury to Choi has facilitated that, I think, to a, a massive extent. They didn't expect him to have to play this much, and he is. He, he's having to play a lot because of it. Malcolm Nunez could definitely be a guy that finds his way here at some point August, maybe, you know, if he plays well here coming up, maybe August. The first baseman position is going to be interesting because, look, if they do decide to move Henry Davis there um, to to catcher, then Andy Rodriguez can go play first base. Andy Rodriguez, by the way, hasn't been very good here of late. So I think we're kind of pumping the brakes a little bit on all the Andy hysteria. But I, I'm with that last caller – the transparency with this has been either not there or it's just a very strange plan. I don't understand, and I talked Monday night to Bob Walk about this after the Pirates lost and Henry Davis debuted, about catching. And he made the point that, you know, the only way to get better as a catcher in the major leagues is to catch in the major leagues. It's the only way that you get better as a hitter in the major leagues is by seeing major league pitching. It's the only way that you get better as a pitcher in the major leagues is by, you know, seeing major league hitters. So I don't understand how they are going to make Henry Davis into a major league catcher without him catching in major league games. And Derek Shelton kind of got thrown out there at that introductory press conference. And he said, you know, it's going to be rare, essentially, that you see Henry Davis catch. My thought is when games are out of hand, when the Pirates are down 10 to 1 or they're up 10 to 1 perhaps, most likely when they're down, you're going to see Davis come in and catch. But the philosophy I don't understand. It's unique, it's I, I don't know if unprecedented is the word. I just don't I haven't been able to find a lot of great examples of a guy coming in to be a catcher and not catching. And it makes you wonder if they truly believe that he can be a catcher at the major league level or if they are just holding on to hope that maybe Austin Hedges can can tick it up just a little bit at the plate and that maybe they can dive into both. 93.7 The Fan wants to visit your youth baseball or softball teams in action with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Parents and coaches send an email to us at youthsports at 93.7thefan.com to register at your team ages 12 and younger. And 93.7 The Fan may be making a stop to see a game or tournament brought to you by Living Treasures of the Laurel Highlands. We'll continue that conversation. Henry Davis makes his debut this week. We'll talk more about that. We have Jason Mackey coming up in about 15 to 20 minutes as well. I'm Josh Roundtree. It's Bucko Talk here on The Fan. It's Bucko Talk here on The Fan. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Summer's here. Come check out Trailblazer, Equinox, and the all-new redesigned 2024 tracks in person and online at sunchevy.com. We'll hear the weather report in just a moment. Let's grab a couple more calls before we... uh, Head to our next break and then get ready for Jason Mackey coming up uh, to start the 10 o'clock hour. Let's go to Counselor in Pittsburgh. What's up, Counselor? Hi, Josh. How are you? I'm good, man. What's going on? Okay. Listen, first of all, number one, I am still leaning towards a position player, whether that's Bill Langford. I realize that Skeens is a unicorn, if you want to say it, but the problem I see is the Pirates don't, unless I've not heard about it have anybody in the in even triple a that they could say now that henry davis is up here you've got a position a five tool position player who's going to hit maybe 30 home runs 
on top of it. Yeah. Um, and let's just face it, uh, Switzkowski is going to have trouble with left-handers and has had trouble with left-handers, and he's very streaky. So you really don't have any power, per se, until and you don't know what that'll be like until uh, O'Neill Cruz gets back. Right. And I, I, I know everybody thinks it's – I mean, Gaines may be the next Garrett Cole or better than Garrett Cole, you know, Strasburger, but there's always that um, possibility of Tommy John, too. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that, and that's been my – and thanks, Counselor. Uh, that's been my sort of skepticism with Skeens as well. You have a guy that went out there, and, and we'll talk more about that in the next hour, but he has thrown a lot of pitches this season with LSU, and I mean a lot, and he did the other day too in his last start. Um, they have worked him, perhaps overworked him to a point that uh, I feel like Tommy John is probably inevitable for him at some point. Maybe not, but – it's hard not to feel that way anymore. I tried to go back and find if he has had, and we're. I, I think next week we're going to have a reporter from LSU uh, that's going that follows the baseball team there come on, uh, and and she's going to join us, Lindsey Van, next week. But I, I am worried for sure that if they draft a pitcher like Skeens, like Paul Skeens, that he might not be here until for a while. Because of potentially, you know, that just that potential of Tommy John. And if you're looking to win now, I would rather them go spend money perhaps on a pitcher that, and take Dylan Cruz than that guy. We'll talk more about that in the 10 o'clock hour after Jason Mackey. Let's grab one more call this hour. Let's go to Jeff in Ohio. What's up, Jeff? Hey, hey good show, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Um, quick comment. I agree with you on the Austin Hedges. I don't believe in booing any of the home players unless they're pulling a George Hendricks operation shutdown or whatever. But <laughs> – you just don't boo your home guys. I try not to do that. But with that being said, I think Sherrington and Shelton are the ones that people are frustrated with. I think with Austin Hedges, I'm sure he's a great guy and nothing against him personally, but you can't play a 150 hitter in the major leagues. There's a reason he's not stuck with teams. Great defensive player, that's great. But you can't hit that. Now, seventy lumber company and we've got – Everybody, we had seven, eight guys hitting over 270 on that team. If one guy hitting over 270, I mean, it, you can't afford a, a person hitting 160 when you don't have any run support in a lineup. I just think it, with our lineup, you have to get a better bat than that. You are going to give up some defense. I get that. And I'm not saying don't have him in the lineup. I'm saying he doesn't need to catch five days a week. Uh, I, I think there's right. a role for a defensive specialist. But, um, you know, that that's my comment. I, I think the guy's kind of be given a hard time but to be honest he shouldn't be getting that much uh catching opportunities and I, I would rather see henry davis struggle whether it be him he or excuse me or andy rodriguez to get a guy in for the future to get him ready to go than to play him five six days a week can i give you one other comment yeah sure on the uh, on the uh draft because i love the draft coverage i thought the um, mlb pipeline guy on the pregame show was phenomenal mm -hmm. uh yesterday i believe that was and the steens argument is a great argument. And I was leading towards Cruz the whole way, and now I've kind of hedged my bet where, man, it's tough to pass on that pitcher. But the one thing I would say, it kind of led me down, and the, the, the guy from MLB, MLB Pipeline said this, it was that we had signed Henry Davis because of signability before the draft that they had worked out the deal. If that's our point, that we have to sign a guy because we don't want to pay him, I, I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. And, and to me, 
if, if Dylan Cruz is the best player, you take Dylan Cruz. If Paul Skeen's the best player, you take him. Uh, All right, I think we uh, think we lost Jeff there, but I, I get what he's saying. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, the Skeens Cruz thing, signability is definitely a question. I, I've read more and more in the last week about this as well, about the Pirates potentially being worried about signability with a guy like Cruz. That does alarm me a little bit, and maybe it's more realistic that they can sign a guy like Skeens. Maybe they don't go with either of those guys. They go under slot, and they try to spread their money out more. They've done that before. I think there's a place and time for that. To me, you have a generational prospect as a hitter and a generational prospect as a pitcher available one and two in this draft. And that that those are the comparisons. Skeens is the best, is regarded right now by some as the best pitching prospect since Steven Strasburg. Dylan Cruz is looked at as a five-tool player that can hit for power, that can hit for average, and has shown it at the highest level of college baseball for three years now. I don't think you can go wrong unless you don't go with one of those guys. Then potentially you could have an issue. Jason Mackey's coming up next. This is Bucko Talk here on The Fan.